mustache with a broken nose. It's Kinsey, narcotics. He's one of the guys that got into it with at the Iceberg Lounge. What do you think? Kinsey Moon Knights for the Penguin. I'm Moon Knights as a cop. And welcome to episode 222 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow Bat co-hosts, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Bat-tastic. Bat-tastic. Don't see the relevance of that to the born identity. <laughs> no. So, yeah, just to apologise, we have been off air for a little bit, life and work, and Becca having a cold has got in the way, but we are back briefly. We decided to jettison our review series of X-Men because it just all felt felt. We will explain that in a minute. <laughs> we will. We'll go through it. No worries. Yeah. But yeah, so basically just in a nutshell, before diving into Bourne, um, a new Batman film has come out. So we thought we'd um, we review that just a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we'll kind of we'll, we'll wrap up everything with the X-Men um, and then we'll review the Batman, the new Batman film. Right. Um, and then... Next time, we shall dive headlong into the Born Identity series. We wa- watched uh, Dark Phoenix, because we did most of the X-Men. and uh, Dark Fe- Not Dark Phoenix, sorry, New Mutants. New Mutants was one of those that we were like, do we do it, do we not? Because it's, it's kind of a spin-off, it's not really part of the main series. But we decided we were going to do it. So I've got hold of a copy, and... I don't. I almost wouldn't know what to say about it because we've covered worse films, but this barely qualified as a film. I, I don't. Was it? Know. Was it even an X Men movie? I'm well, not quite not sure. Sort of, but the point is that I don't know who, because presumably any film, even if it's an, an ongoing series, even in that you would have to pitch it. Surely, you'd have to go in and say, right, this is what we want to do next, and here are the main beats. It did have lots uh, of production errors was, and issues, no and obviously COVID got in the way. Yeah. There was just no story, and I was watching it horrified because I thought, well, I, I wouldn't know what to say about this. There's, there's just nothing happening. And then, so we were still going to do it, and then we got delayed. My computer blew up, so I'm recording on, like, a, a borrowed one at the moment. And um, I, I'm sat there thinking, well, we'll still do it. And then, like, a couple of weeks go by, and I'm thinking, right, we're getting into the territory of me having to watch this again. And I really, really don't want to. And then we had a chat, the three of us, when we did the Christmas stuff. That's how long it's been. We haven't recorded in three months. Long time. And, and I'm thinking, like, and, and with everyone, I think all of us said it almost at the same time. Let's just not bother. So It we, got a bit much, didn't it? We were like, we can't go through this again. <laughs> no, we, we, we did the X-Men series as far as I'm concerned. The only thing that's, like, inconsistent, if you listen to the whole shows, is we promised New Mutants and we're not doing it. But when we started X-Men at the start, we were going to do 10 films and we did 10 films. 
So to be fair, I mean, that was, I mean, that was largely my choice. Like, it was something that, like, on, on the list of films that we reviewed, it was something that I wanted to do, that Chris has wanted to do, that Dave's wanted to do. And this was kind of one of mine, so I kind of feel like we have done the bulk of the series. Yeah. Um, we've been fair to it and we've reviewed it. Yeah. Um, so I can tick that box. Uh, you know, but in, anyone listening who was waiting to see what we thought of New Mutants, because I think with most things that we ever cover, you've seen it or you're not going to see it. I think New Mutants might just be one of those that, like, you've seen the X-Men series. It bombed at the box office anyway. And you might be, let's see what they say about it. You know, if they really, really say, well, actually, this is surprisingly interesting. Uh, don't bother. There's, there's, there's no film there, really. I don't know why they made it. And I, I, and it, it had the feel, not of, like, a train wreck. It had the feel of something where there was so much sunk cost that they just had to put it out anyway. But... I don't know what about the script, the casting, the plot, the story or anything excited anyone because it's barely a film. It's very much like a teenage sort of breakfast club type thing, isn't it? Um, with a, it might, it's not coming of age type movie. Yeah, it, it, it's probably more like a But that's being kind to it. Yeah, that is being kind to but it. But I think, I think that's what, what the vibe was. And I think because of its, um, I mean, it, it, it was kind of, it was going to, be free free movies and I ran along with the other X-Men films um or you know I would have built up to something more I don't I mean I I don't know what I mean they had in mind but I get the feeling that um you know production issues studio didn't know what to do with it um the thing the, happened with Marvel, and it was just like, uh, 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 alright, well, let's just, let's just... Yeah, and they kind of dumped it out in kind of a <clears> quiet <throat> slot. What I will say is it doesn't look like... You go and watch um, the Joss Whedon uh, Justice League, and you can see the reshoots. And, and Because all Marvel films, for example, have reshoots <clears throat> built into their schedule. But that would look normal. You finish, you watch an assembly cut, you go, right, we've got another six weeks and we'll do this. Justice League, for example, they clearly were retooling it later because Ben Affleck didn't look in the same shape. And obviously we know the whole story of Henry Cavill's moustache and mm. stuff like that. This didn't look like this. This this looked like it was all shot at the same time. It didn't look like it had been through some kind of horrific production. It just looked very undercooked. Yeah, just unfinished yeah. or just like... Um, Un- undeveloped probably is a better needed, word yeah. needed more beefing out um yeah, yeah they, they did it all flesh, of, fleshing out a bit more work done on it i think you know they tried to play on this love story but but, but i guess i guess if, you, if it was like let's just like, take all the superior elements out out of it and you you present that you presented this as like an independent small film about a group of kids you know it would probably fare better uh, but because it's got like it's in the X-Men and we need to do X-Men stuff, it kind of it kind of fails to sort of live up to anything more than that. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't know where to rank it. I wouldn't know. It doesn't feel like an X-Men film. It, it kind that's of does, a bit outsider, isn't it? Almost. It does feel a bit like a young adult film. It's probably got more in common with the Hunger mm. Games or something than it does anything else. But even then, it's got none of the scale. Mm. It's a very, very small film. No, and I was sort of doing the reading around, and obviously that the, the um, like for preparing for fun facts, for example, um, and a lot of you know reading interviews with like director and producer and everything as well. I think they took a lot of their so you mentioned like Breakfast Club, but like a lot of the um, the influence did come from the kind of very much, um, you know, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, that sort of thing. But yeah. because it pulls also from that universe and also from the X Men universe, and like superheroes and everything, I think perhaps it just kind of got lost, 
you know, it tried to take influences from so many things. Like there's like horror movies, there's Buffy, um, you know, sort of like teen comedy drama. It tried to take influences from so many places. It kind of lost its own identity as well, which is a great shame. Uh, and the they characters had a great cast, are just though. Like, the are all fantastic. Cast is brilliant. Mm, they weren't given a lot like to work. A bit of a you know labour of love, as it were. But it just got a bit messy, I think. Yeah. So anyway, that's the end of the X Men series. We still want to do Born. We've I've had computer problems. Becca's had health problems. Chris has had work problems. And I've had bloody cold. Plans. Not very nice at all. Luckily so, not COVID. Yeah, but, lots of oof. reasons. We're not going to make any promises about our schedule. But obviously, you know from history, what we do is we record every week for a very very long period of time. And then you get these little hiatuses. This was quite a long one. We can't promise it's going to be over because Chris is actually getting married in a week or two. So we congratulations to you, Chris. But but it ain't going to be three months again anyway. Um, anyway, what are we? There's now springtime. Oh my gosh. Becca, what are we covering tonight? Tonight, Bat fans. Um, yes, we are reviewing the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson or Pattinson, our bats, as he's come to be known. Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, who disappears into his role. Um, John Turturro, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard and many more. Score by Michael Giacchino, scripts by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Directed by Matt or Bat Reeves. Now released this year, 2022, at long last. Yeah, it was meant to be out a couple of years ago. Um, they got a part way through filming um, and then Covid hit and Pattinson immediately got it as well um, yeah he's so, very bored with it but, um, yeah apparently so he you know back back when our bodies didn't know what this thing was um that's when he got yeah, it yeah back so, before the uh, the jabs yeah um so it finally arrives um it, it's gone through a few dates but a, a lot of this it, I, I don't think it was finished that long ago but there there are large gaps in filmings and, and to their credit you can't tell you can't tell what was filmed no I when. was really amazed by it I was just it was incredible but um where was it was it from they filmed in like Liverpool or somewhere I think well um uh, the bits I mean maybe I should mention it at the time but I won't I'll do it now the the bits I recognised and then went to look up is uh when he goes to the memorial service for the slain mayor. And he goes into the town hall, which has all those pillars. I'm thinking, my goodness, that looks like St. George's Hall. But nothing next to it and in the background does. But I thought, well, that's easily changed digitally. And I looked at it and, yes, St. George's Hall is in it. Um, ah, OK, yes, I'm my joke that, that's, that's, uh, If you want to look it up, folks, St. George's Hall is it's opposite the Empire Theatre in Liverpool. It's a really grand old building. Um, I think we've seen it in one of our films before because I think the press conference in Creed was held there. Uh, the Walker building, I'm told, is in it, but I didn't pick that up. Uh, definitely, though, and I did not pick this up at all, when he jumps off the building and deploys like his sort of gliding equipment, he's jumped off the liver building. Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't tell. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, no, the liver building is the most iconic building in Liverpool. Um, certainly I think that would still be true whether that's still true in a hundred years who knows but the liver building um, that's quite iconic no. if you do take that very across the mosey that's one of the big buildings that you know about spelt like liver yeah look, look up the liver building he dives off that um, wow. some of the graveyard stuff when he's riding his bike with Zoe Kravitz I think that was filmed in Glasgow uh, what else did I recognise I definitely recognise some of the Chicago buildings like the Wayne Tower from the Nolan trilogy is in this film uh, but the overall effect 
it, it leaves you with something akin to New York, but not like it in that it's an island, a bit like Manhattan. It's separated from other areas by a series of bridges. You've got something a little bit like um, Times Square. You've got the uh, Gotham Empire, which is definitely the Empire State Building. You've got Gotham Square Garden, although I do believe there is a Gotham Square Garden in in uh, Chicago and someone might tell me I'm wrong on that maybe I've fallen for like a little joke or something but that definitely looks like Madison Square Garden which I've been well, I think to. yeah it's meant to be Madison Square Garden isn't it so so it's kind of uh, uh and it's got bits that people think are in New York but when you go there there aren't like the sort of overhead tube you know train lines and things like that um so yeah it it's kind of a, a version of New York influenced by um Chicago, but with also a little bit of sort of, dare I say, British dourness in it, in that if you're not from this country, it rains quite a lot and it's frequently overcast and it, and it's got kind of a, yeah, it's got a kind of a, a, a sour feel as a result sometimes. And, and this film has that. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, Seven's been mentioned a lot um, in regards to it, hasn't it? Seven uh, and Zodiac, really. But um, I, I, I mean, I, well, yes, I, I'll agree. There's a little bit of uh, like very '90s elements of Sevens in there. But the thing I picked up most on was it, it feels very much like uh, the, the like the aesthetic of The Crow. It's probably what I kind of picked up most from like the the feel and the atmosphere of it. It felt very much like Gotham is like. Um, wait, it's funny you say crow. that because I thought The Crow was in turn influenced by the Tim Burton film. Probably. Um, and The Crow does feel a lot more sort of set bound. But I, I see what you're saying. I, I can't disagree with anyone that says it's influenced by Seven and Zodiac because in all its beats it is. But I feel a little bit like I do about The Dark Knight when people go, oh, he's made a Michael Mann film here. It's like Heat. And I'm going, well... You're not wrong, but at the same time, I sort of don't see it. Or at least if I do see it, I'm not feeling it. Let's put it that way. I don't disagree it, with you, but I'm not watching it, this film thinking of it's Seven. More, it's more than just, oh, like this is just like Seven. It's just like they're, they're just shades of it. It's like it rains a lot and there's like a guy going around killing people in in kind of gruesome. Treating but... it as a bit of a game. And yeah, I, I understand all that just as... There are certain things in, in the Nolan trilogy that are a little bit Michael Mann, but I don't watch those films thinking of Michael Mann and I didn't watch this film thinking of Fincher. I think one of the things is just quickly to get into my background with Batman, and I'm not going to go into it because obviously this now goes with our Batman series. So everything I've said on Batman, I said we've, there. We've leapfrogged over the DC. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're well, we will still we will still do I, the I, I, ignore Joker because we don't know what the fuck that is. Um. <laughs> now again, that's another rank outsider, isn't it? That's just you know that could be a series all of its own. Well, with the multiverse, it gets a bit easier. But what we will do, I think, is we will still do the DCEU, but we'll just treat solo batman films as outside it it's as simple as that if batman's in a team up it's dceu and that's all we can do is a bit of a cheat we wanted to cover this we haven't done dceu yet we have done batman so it'll go with that i think the point i'm making though is i've said everything about my background on batman it's probably three or four years ago now so i can barely remember what i said but i won't say it all again but the one thing i will say is i was always very fond of uh, the long halloween 
Now, The Long Halloween is available as like a two-part animated film. But I would recommend the, the you know, the actual written version of it. Um, and it, it's, about, it's a detective novel. It's Batman in Year Two, which is, this is as well. It's sort of set in the same continuity as Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Um, and it's sort of, it's Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale who does all the drawings and stuff in it. And it's, uh, uh, it's murders. It starts on Halloween, as this film does. Batman is drawn very, he's a bit stubbly, not massively, but this tends to be stubble on his face. It's not that clean. You know, something like Hush is drawn a lot cleaner and more heroically. This is a little bit untidy, but in a good way. Gotham is frequently raining. Um, and every major holiday, murders are happening. A notable figure will turn up dead and Batman's trying to solve it. And it's got a lot of that in it. And and the funny thing with The Long Halloween, I said this in a written review. The first words of The Long Halloween are, I believe in Gotham City. And someone is saying that to um, Falcone, who is wearing a tux, a bit like Don Vito in the, in the Godfather. And he's in his den, just like the start of The Godfather. And the first line of The Godfather is, I believe in Gotham City. Uh, is I believe in America, sorry, I believe in Gotham City was the first words of that. I believe in Gotham is in this film. Uh, Falcone is in this film. He's got the scratches on his face, which are there. Well, it's only at the moment of his death, but that, that was there in the comic book. Um, he had a bit of a waste of son, which was based a little bit, I think, on Fredo from the Godfather films. Um, other influences I just want to quickly point to is I did read a, a, a book called Batman Earth One about 10 years ago, probably. I'm assuming it was written by then. I think it was about 10 years ago. And it was a way they were doing this sort of uh, Earth One version of characters to try and let new readers in. Let go of the baggage. We'll tell you a new version of these characters. It will be vaguely similar, but you don't have to be beholden to decisions we've made before. And uh, in that version, uh, Alfred was like an ex-soldier, a little bit tougher looking than Andy Serkis, but he walked with a stick. Andy Serkis walked with a stick. It's not quite consistent, but in the first scene of the film, Andy Serkis has got some scarring around his eyes. So has this guy. This guy trained Bruce Wayne, or at least did some of his training. Andy Serkis makes reference to doing the same. He taught, when he's cracking the code, he said it, it's reminding me of my days in. And he says something else, but he clearly it's a euphemism for when he was in the service. So he was some kind of circus, I think he says. He says circus, but I think it's like you don't learn code breaking in the circus, do you? So he's, it's clearly a reference to some kind of military background. So it's taken those bits from from Earth One. I think what I'm saying is that this pointed to all the things in Batman I liked and so I'm not thinking of I'm not thinking of Fincher because I'm thinking of the long Halloween and I'm thinking of the Godfather the last thing I'll say I'm not going to get into my experiences with it or first thoughts yet but the last thing I just want to say on what I noticed is there's a bit in the film where Bruce Wayne goes to see Falcone at his like penthouse or whatever it is and Falcone's there playing pool and there's a song playing in the background like he's obviously got it on like a record player or whatever equivalent he has i say record player because he strikes me as a bit of an old-fashioned guy there with a pool table and i'm thinking what is that i recognize it and it only took me about five seconds i was like 
That's Johnny Fontaine. That's I Have But One Heart, which he sang at the wedding in The Godfather. He sang at uh, Connie's wedding. I Have But One Heart. So those are the those are the two major influences I was thinking of when I was watching this film. Don't know about you guys. Becca? Definitely. <laughs> no, I th- yeah, that's quite interesting, actually. You reeled off all those sort of facts about like how it kind of mirrors like, like The Godfather and this kind of film. I never really noticed that, to be honest, because obviously that was, that's another big film we release currently, doing the rounds yeah. uh, for anniversary. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you guys have seen it twice. I've only seen it once. Um, but I definitely need to go back and uh, Batman movie, even. We've seen Godfather multiple times. Um, but, yeah, and you guys have seen it twice, and I need to go back and obviously clearly watch it again, because I totally missed that reference. I was just like, oh, my God, well, yeah, I didn't realise that at all. So I'm well, just a bit blown away by that It's fact. the Godfather reference. The Godfather is kind of, there's a bit of a pastiche of that world in The Long Halloween, mm. and this is playing on yeah, The Long Halloween's I, I version. Seen, read, but it so. recognises that The Long Halloween has taken it from The Godfather and done a few direct references. Of course. Um yeah, so that's another. That's God, and and the, the last thing on the, just on the Godfather, I, I can't promise I won't mention it again as we go through the film. But the last thing overt is Colin Farrell referenced Fredo as an influence on uh-huh. the way he played the Penguin. Yeah, I couldn't believe that was him. He literally vanishes into that role. It was incredible. He like disappears under a mound of makeup, and then at the end it says, "Oh, you know, Colin Farrell." I was like, "What?" Yeah, apparently, you know? Matt Reeves sent him to I don't know if it was Starbucks or Subway or something like that. He set him in full makeup. And no one picked up. Nobody knew it was him. No, I'm not surprised. Knew. Well, I'm not surprised they didn't know it was him, but they didn't know it was makeup either. No. So un- under normal everyday lighting, you can't tell. Well, because he looks so like it's so different. Well, he looks so. Well, he, look, he has like quite like you know quite severe sort of scarred or grotesque look. I don't think people. Yeah, he's he's probably... a grotesque character, isn't he? I, I can imagine like if if someone walked back walked into somewhere, you would you kind of. You know, especially like in the Starbucks, you kind of wouldn't want to sort of like yeah. stare at him too much. No, yeah, I think, oh, yeah, last, I might get a bit offended. Last thing, on, um, last thing on sort of influences from things. Now, there'll be bigger Batman fans than me that have picked up loads of references from other places, probably. But year one and the long Halloween being in the same um, continuity, um, or, or at least loosely the same, they certainly don't contradict each other. Uh, Catwoman has like quite a rough background, a, a bit like in The Dark Knight Rises. She's looking after someone a bit younger. Um, uh, there's a hint of prostitution, I think, although I might have misremembered that. She had shorter hair and she did turn out to be, well, at least she believed she was Falcone's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, you you've, a bit more about her, you, you, you've got the long the Halloween. And then you've got the sequel, which is almost as good, called Dark Victory, where he meets Robin for the first time. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as Dark Victory is taking place, Catwoman is in like a separate book in her own adventure in the same time frame called Catwoman When in Rome. And I think it ends up with like it's never quite confirmed, but she's pretty sure that's her dad. Um, the one thing I don't remember, though, someone said it was in Earth One, is uh, this whole business of Martha being from the Arkham family. I don't recall that. Um, but yeah, that that yeah, that was that was interesting. I didn't know about that before. That's everything. I think just a little bit of background on the film. I haven't really got a lot to say. I just want to say uh, Matt Reeves. Obviously, we covered him on. The, he did two of the Planet of the Apes films. 
everyone talks about his trilogy, forgetting he didn't do the first one of the, no. of, the of the three. Um, kind of like Bourne, isn't it? Really, with a little the... bit. Everyone thinks it's yeah. Greengrass series, yeah. And we'll come to that obviously very soon. Um, but I first encountered him uh, on Cloverfield. Now Cloverfield was like very heavily marketed as like a J.J. Abrams product. And of course, when Matt Reeves' name was put next to it, it was like, oh, JJ's not doing it. Well, from through the lens of talking about it now, it's like, well, that's pretty good news, to be fair. But at the time, it was a little bit like, well, he, he's just sticking his name on it and giving it to somebody else. Uh, he did a version of, he did a remake uh, of, for Hammer of uh, Let the Right One In as Let Me In which, uh, funnily enough, Charlie, who sometimes appears on this show, was watching yesterday. He put a, he put a reference to it on uh, social media. Now, um, I've always thought he was a very good filmmaker. He definitely lacks levity, but and his films could be a little bit overlong. But I, I think his track record in the last 10 years has actually exceeded Nolan's. Nolan had an amazing decade, and I've not liked his second decade anywhere near as much um this is um a casting came down for robert pattinson it came down to him it was written with him in mind but uh him and Nic- uh, nicholas holt from the x-men films were the final two uh the only... would have been quite interesting the only other thing i want to say though is uh, i just want to say quickly about budget i just looked up the dark knight rises the Dark Knight Rises had a budget that's pitched somewhere, depending on source, between 250 and 300 million. This is somewhere in the 185 to 200 million uh, range. So they've hedged their bets a little bit on how big a hit this is going to be. That's all I really want to say on background. Um, viewings. I will go first just quickly to say I saw it opening night and I saw it two days later. That's now a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm a couple of weeks out from having seen this. I saw it in IMAX on the opening night. Saw a regular 2D screening a couple of days later. What about you guys? Yeah, I've seen it. I saw it on opening day and then like a week or so afterwards. Um, just, um, yeah, yeah, so I've only seen it twice. I think Becca's only seen it once, haven't you, Becca? Yeah, I seen it once. I didn't see it opening week. It took me like a, a, a few more days. I kind of waited till the price came down a little bit because it's yeah. very expensive to go to the cinema these days. Um, but yeah, no, I had, had a voucher, so that was quite nice. Um, didn't see it in IMAX, but saw it on the bigger screen that I could. Um, and I definitely, if I can manage it, then I'll definitely you know, try to see it again and I make see all it these nods. Because um, I, I need to obviously see, um, you know, see, see the animated, see the other films as well. Um, the ones that Dave mentioned, also I've seen all the other Batman movies. Um, but yeah, just you know, try and read this comics. Yeah, one of the long Halloween we seeing as a bit of background to this. I mean, they're all in on this. I mean, I've said the budget's a bit lower, but they've clearly got some belief in it because they've, they, you know, they're talking about two sequels, but they've also greenlit two television series. There's going to be one uh, based around the Joker, uh, not the Joker, sorry, um, the Penguin. Mm. Uh, but there was also going to be a spin-off around sort of the Gotham police in the year before this film uh, and then presumably developing alongside it. But they, that's actually developed into something based in Arkham Asylum. It'll be more of a Batman extended universe, really, won't it? So. I'm assuming so. Of course, with the multiverse now, they can do anything and just say, well, it's all canon. It's just a different reality. Let's go into first thoughts. Chris? Uh, so, um, so after first viewing... Um, but first off, I, I kind of like agree with 
um, what Dave said mostly about my, uh, you know, my my Batman knowledge is pretty much basic. You know what the movies tell me and then stuff on the animated series. I'm not too averse with the comics, um, but I generally thought that it's totally it's it's really uh, good uh, in a really sort of dark way. So I picked up things like the Crow. I've loved the um, I love the atmosphere, I love the aesthetic of uh, Gotham um, this time around as opposed to uh, Nolan where in the last two films where it's, oh, it's Chicago. <laughs> oh, it's just New York. Uh, but yeah, actually, you know, Gotham felt like a character. Uh, you know, I, I liked having characters like the Penguin in there, uh, but whereas like not being like a focus of the, of the movie, but just kind of like present. I think that's that's a good way of do, dealing with like the the multitude of villains. I just adds character. Um, I wish comic movies would do that more. Actually, I think you know rather than have like, oh let's have to focus on this villain or or have these two villains and set them up and have their own little um, uh, like uh, sort of start start. You know they they, they get they get their like. Uh, the movie's kind of about, about, about them, you know, you see the, see how they start off. It's like, well, we don't really need to see that. We could just have them like there. So I kind of, I kind of like, I kind of like that. Um, the main complaint, really, uh, and I think this is probably the major flaw of the movie, is that it's way too long. Like, the first viewing, uh, I just felt that running time. Maybe because it's the first viewing, maybe because it's just so dour. But I just felt like three hours and I just felt this just as kind of could have been a lot tighter this could have this could have got on with it a bit a lot more um at one point I forgot that the Riddler is even in this you know what I mean so like yeah they pack a lot in don't they so I just felt like right okay um what movie are you doing I didn't really feel the Riddler is very riddly like it wasn't very Riddler-esque. I just felt it was like um, they, they had the idea of like doing like that. Obviously, the Zodiac he killer. Did, he did not say "Surf's Up, Big Kahuna Burger" at least once. <laughs> no, he no, wasn't he just did in, like, not. Bright green lycra, or you know. Sorry, it's Big Kahuna. Big Kahuna Burger is Pulp Fiction. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but funny enough, I, I I actually watched that <laughs> not long afterwards, <laughs> right. just, just, just to just to get my my Riddler sort of like okay, let's let's, let's just like let's yeah. watch a really annoying prick do this in, in, in a short <laughs> period of time. Did you nineteen sixties series? And Frank Gorshin, and yeah. to us that wasn't um, I can't I can't say that that interpretation of Riddler. Well, aesthetically yes, um, and on paper Jim Carrey is perfect, but obviously they just sort of like Jim Carrey let be Jim Carrey. And he just fucking overdoes everything. But also, like the the, the, role. the the interpretation of it was just a bit too like right, right, okay. So he doesn't again. He doesn't do much riddler stuff. He just kind of like he just tries to sort of build. You know, he just makes this machine and tries to <laughs> take over the world while Two Face just sort of gurns. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that, that, that's Batman forever. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I, I I kind of like think we've not really had a good honest to god decent interpretation of the riddler because because the, the, the way i take the riddler is is someone who is kind of like an egotistical is egotistical um so like showing you how clever he is basically he's got me you know i think the only thing they probably got right in forever uh was the fact that he's got you know chip on his shoulder and he just wants to just show the world like how you know i i am like the world's greatest genius blah de blah de blah 
Uh, yeah, and we haven't really had that, not at least in film form. And I think that'd be my one major criticism, how, in terms of like the interpretation of it, because while I think yes, you could say like yes, he's leaving puzzles to solve. Yes, it's very serial killer, it's killery, you know. Um, that doesn't really get to the heart, and I think it's just kind of very, like, you know, it. It's a good. It's a good idea to come up with, but then seeing it through it's like uh maybe you should have thought, thought about it a bit more do you know what i mean um it felt a bit more about um uh, yeah uh, i mean to be fair it is, it, it is a lot more about bruce bruce wayne or batman and gotham in general to it to its credit but again this is like i didn't really feel like this was like uh, a good interpretation of the riddler uh um uh, that being said, I kind of liked um, Colin Fowle as Penguin. I thought he did a good job. He's basically doing doing like a, a Robert De Niro uh, kind of impression. I thought, you know, very much of a kind of like just something about the way he kind of like he kind of gurns at the camera, very much like kind of doing like a yeah. Doing I, that that. Kind I, I know the expression you're referring to. Yes. Yeah, that kind of like. Yeah, you know that that typical mobster thing, which I kind of like, um, and they, and they do, um, and they do sort of leave it to his like insecurities. How he's like a bit of a bit of an outsider in the mob world. Um, well, I think that's where the Fredo thing came from. Yeah. The idea that like he's standing in the shadow of much more powerful people. He's seen a lot more as a joke, the the penguin, because of like it, how he looks and mm. he's a bit like. Um, and that's kind of like uh, that, that. That's his thing, you know. He's like he's got a chipping shoulder about that, and he's got something to prove. And what but... did they have Fredo do? Run casinos, run nightclubs. Mm. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I don't. I don't thoroughly agree. There's a complete crossover, but I, I at least see what they mean. Yeah. yeah. And of course, it's nice to have the. Um, is it the Iceberg Lounge? Yes. Is it, is that... Yes. It's nice to nice to actually see that as well. Yeah. Um, uh, as as for as for Arbats, um, Arbats, Arbats, um, yeah, I was kind of, I I I I thought he did a good job considering it, it's it's a bit odd considering how the impression I get from him from his Batman and his Bruce Wayne is that it's very much like uh, like he's like he's in his early twenties, uh, and yet he's like probably about more my age. <laughs> he's probably about the same age as like. Um, no, I think, a, he's meant, I think he's meant to be about 30. I mean, it, it references that it's 20 years since his parents were killed. Yeah, OK. Um, because I think I think the um, I think the murder of the mayor is on the, the 20th anniversary. Mm. They were killed on Halloween night or something like that. In the earliest continuities, they'd gone to see the Mark of Zorro. But obviously that's now decades and decades ago. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that... I mean, typically... I mean, I'm sure there's a, a single canon answer of, of what AG was, but of not having that readily to mind, I think he's somewhere between nine and eleven normally when, mm. when his parents are killed. So if we split the difference and say ten, he's meant to be about thirty. I think I think Pattinson's about thirty-five now. Mm. Um, he, he comes across as younger though. Oh, that's the thing. I, 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 I think it's the, got... the floppy hair doesn't help. Yeah, and he's still very uh, slight, but even that I can I can deal with because. For a few reasons. Firstly, um, I thought the Affleck version, and I don't want to get into the whole toxic Snyder conversation. You can go and find what I think of Zack Snyder elsewhere. But I, I don't really want to say anything particularly negative about Affleck. 
but his Batman was far too bulky. Um, something in the suit, and then with those tiny ears as well, it just it, it he looked fat, even though he clearly wasn't, because out of the suit he was ripped. But it was just far too bulky. But there there, there is a logical uh, span of your life argument to it that you've got all your speed when you're young, and then you sort of as you lose that speed, you bulk up and rely more on power. Uh, plus, I mean. In the suit, he bulks up quite nicely. But yeah, the floppy hair doesn't help. I'm not sure about that as a choice, although you can find that in comic books. Um, I think what I would say is, I, I think he's like the fresh convert at this point. I know two years have gone by, but when you first get into something and you're really, 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 really into it, and I think that's where he is at the moment. He hasn't la- learnt to balance his life as Batman with his life as nah. Bruce Wayne. Be that the real quote unquote Bruce Wayne or some social construct of a Bruce Wayne that, that, you know, will do Mm. at the moment. He's all about this. He's not about anything else. And hence his Bruce Wayne and his Batman are just virtually indistinguishable. Well, I think he's barely, I mean, I think you barely see him as Bruce Wayne, do you? It's only, but when he does, the voice isn't greatly different. It's a little, little bit quieter as Batman. Um, I don't really have a problem with that because he's, He's much more low-key. I mean, I always remember when Kilmer played it and and they put him in a cowl where he just went, well, you've just shaped that like Val Kilmer's face. I mean, if not for a second, does that look like anyone else but Val Kilmer? Clooney was a little bit like that. Uh, Here, you could almost believe it. You know what I mean? Um, Mm. Yeah, he does play a little bit younger, but I think you've got to take his early 30s. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. I think it was just the, the more vibe I got from from it um say the floppy hair the kind of like the mopey kind of grunge aesthetic um is kind of he's also a bit of a moody teenager with alfred mm. uh that's something i noticed that he's still a bit resentful towards alfred and everything else you and say grunge so... i kind of got a bit of an emo vibe well you would do there's nirvana yeah. on the emo soundtrack for a start there's nirvana on the soundtrack of course you're going to get well, that exactly. it's the ultimate emo I actually, you know, the first thing I did when I came home was look up Matt Reeves to see how old he was. Now, I've looked it up before because we've done the Planet of the Apes film, but I've clearly forgotten, right? And I'm looking him up because I'm absolutely convinced he has to be about the same age as me. Because he's like, well, you would have been in your teens when grunge happened, obviously. But no, he's actually about 10 years older than me. Oh, really? Yeah, he's born in he's born in like 66. Um oh. But clearly, um, he's, they, he's just a big muso who you know loves his music. Probably, but I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, you were so yeah, sorry. I, I kind of thought like he was like our age or something because like Patterson is like he's like sort of thirty, mid early thirties, isn't he? Yeah, he's, as you said, now, he's quite yeah. young. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought it must be like our age or something. I was like, wow. No, but sorry, Chris, I think I've dragged you off point. You'd got as far as Pattinson and you were sort of talking about what you thought of everything. Sorry, that's me going emo, sorry. It was <laughs> oh, me no, that no, took no, him no. off the point. No, uh, what I was going to say, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we touched on it, how he basically isn't like, he's pretty much like, <coughs> as Batman, is like Bruce Wayne isn't really kind of there. You know, it's um, we, don't, we don't see much of Alfred. I think that's another kind of bit of a, a shame. Uh, we don't get too much of a... Stuff with, with him and Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, part so apart from that, I think the, the cast in general are pretty are pretty good. I just feel like the the, the three hour runtime kind of really harms it. Um, and I think, uh, which I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's like it's like not been a success because obviously he's clearly doing well. Uh, <laughs> so 
uh, and we're all more to averse to three hour hour movies. But you know, why does everything need to be three hours? I don't know. Um, but I think on this on this occasion, I think it's only like at the um, at the end uh, when they're doing the big old the big big set piece at the stadium where it kind of like picked up for me. I felt like oh. You know, I kind of like woke up a little bit, but yeah. Apart from that, I just felt it. It just dragged a bit. I just felt like okay, I'm feeling. I'm feeling the runtime, even though I, even though I wasn't like not disliking it. I just thought it's a long time to be sat sat in that cinema seat. <laughs> so that's that's there. Those are my first thoughts. Yeah, I think my sort of biggest takeaway was probably like emo vibe. Um, how kind of like mean and moody, and I mean. There's um there's a sort of meme doing the rounds which kind of shows like the the 60s and earliest Batman movies being kind of really vibrant and colourful, and then obviously you get the um the Nolan movies which are kind of very grey, very dark, um and this film which is darker again, and then the next one in a few years time is just literally a black tile, um so we're kind of getting darker and darker until we need like night vision goggles to be able to see what goes on, um obviously like in in terms of like Gotham City itself we kind of got like the the 80s movies kind of looming large definitely it's a it's a very it's very still very much a gothic city obviously that's where the name comes from um but as you said yeah it takes it takes its um influences from like from new york from chicago uh from liverpool um very international kind of flavor to it but it's still kind of very dark it rains a lot um crime ridden streets definitely a lot of neon um obviously davy mentioned the influences there from like times square from madison square gardens um sort of really vibrant um uh, hallmarks you know of the cityscape but again very kind of very dark very disturbing you know danger and crime and threat lurk around every corner um and it rains a lot um but yes i think that was pretty cool um yeah I, similar to chris really i kind of did feel the run time a little bit dragged for me a little bit around the middle but overall i mean you know it's it was like no time to die like if you can survive that that's really three goddamn hours but you, you know you can survive that eight or nine times like we did uh, well like i did <laughs> um and who is it? Which well, I can't remember his name. I do apologise. He's probably seen it about eight or nine times in IMAX now. So I think, you know, kudos, kudos goes to him um, for surviving this film for a long time. Um, but yeah, I did feel it's runtime a little bit. I don't know if it really needed to be like three hours. Um, but you know, overall, apart from a little bit of, of dragging for me in the middle, it, it was fine. I, I still enjoyed it. Um, it's a fresh take on Batman. I say we haven't seen this angle on Batman before. Like we've seen like the you know handsome Playboy. Um, brooding, you know, alter ego. Um, but I think Barbat's kind of, you know, he's he's kind of moved on and matured, like from um, from his vampire, you know, teen crush type roles, and um, kind of brings a new a new face to the role, which is really good to see. Um, as long as Zoe Kravitz as um, as, um, as Catwoman as well, again, it's a new side, and it kind of goes back to you know his early her- early heroines like Ethicate, for example. Um, there I even say Halle Berry as well, and you know, fresh twist on you know a classic role um bringing m- much more nuanced and much more delicate but also much more independent and you know not, not just like a sex or status symbol but you know she's going to sort of basically take on the world as her own you know so like this is what i want to do this is where i'm coming from i'm going to put my stamp on it and you know screw you batman i'm not going to kind of work with you so easily and things like that um yeah big shocker for me colin farrell as the penguin i was like oh my god i didn't even know it was him um who else have we got we've got Oh god, I can't remember his name. Jeffrey Wright. Oh my god, I totally forgot that he was in the film as well. That it was just it was an absolute joy to see him after losing him as, as Felix in a time to die. Spoiler alert. 
Yeah, it's great to see him pop up again as Commissioner Gordon. Wait, what? What? He dies in no time to die? I know, it's like, oh, my You're God. supposed to say spoiler alert before the spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> You're not spoiler. supposed to say, after he died. Oh, Bugger. spoiler alert. It came really out work, end of last it? year. You need to go see it. Um, so I've got a theory that, you know, he didn't actually die. He just moved to Gotham and became the Commissioner. That's how it happened. Well, stuck on a very unconvincing wing. <laughs> obviously, yeah. that doesn't, that's not what happens, obviously. Um... What else? Yeah, and Circus as Alfred. Yeah, it was, I don't kind of feel like more of a cameo role. I kind of feel like perhaps we might want to learn more about him. Maybe I need to go back and read, you know, read all these comics that it's based on. I mean, what? You want to watch him cook a lemon meringue or something? Yes. <laughs> go back okay. and make that quiche. All right. You know, learn about his time in the military. And yeah, I kind of feel like in the past, from various Alfreds, we've perhaps only got a flavour of it. Um, I'm still intermittently trying to work my way through Gotham, um, just the, you know, the, the TV series. So I'm kind of pick it up and, and drop it. So I need to get back on that bandwagon. I, I do feel that's a bit like watching a show about Pamela Anderson before she grew any tits. It's like, what, <laughs> what's the point? It's a little bit pointless, isn't it? But yeah. I, I, think, I think it's got a good cast, to be honest. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, checking the score, really effective. Although... For me, this is going to sound really stupid. I make say a lot of stupid things on this podcast. I should be used to it by now. Um, but I feel like a lot of the, like the Batman theme, for example, it reminded me a lot of the music from Star Wars. I know that's really stupid, but it sounds like very sort of really heavy, quite moody, uh, but really quite in keeping with the character. Um, and that kind of the you know, sort of Batman theme that you has created, I think, is, is really memorable. I think it's probably one of the best themes for the series. Um, but yeah, yeah, overall, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was very mean, very moody, um, very dark. Um, I'm glad it wasn't in 3D because we really would have suffered with the 30% light loss. We just needed that 30% um, so we could see what was going on. Um, great cast, you know, brilliant performances. Um, yeah, a little bit too long. Um, oh yeah, Paul Dano is a Riddler. Um, it's suitably demented. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like he wasn't, you know, obviously my frame of reference is going to be... <laughs> Jim Carrey, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, and this is completely different, utterly completely different. Um, and we were talking about this on another thread. Um, kind of got more of, as, as you say, like um, Zodiac or. Um, oh, God, the guy from. Oh, God, that other film, I can't remember what it's called. Seven. Uh, seven, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Um, and also Saw. That kind of. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, kind of, that kind of vibe as well. All those kind of uh, body horror type films. Um, but no, he's, he's really good. I think for then, I kind of forgotten about him as an actor, unfortunately. Um, so I went back and kind of saw some of his other earlier films. And, you know, he's, again, one of those actors that can kind of almost fit into any kind of role. There will be of... there will be blood is the film I think of first when I think of it. Mm, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the first one I went to. And that was fantastic. That kind of won all the plaudits, you know, when, when it came out, rightly so. Um, but, you know, he's one of sort of like chameleonic type actors. who can really take on any role and kind of make it his own. And this was probably most different you know scheme from him but um he did really you know wasn't quite sure which way he was going to go um and yeah very very strange very twisted and a bit bizarre um but a brilliant performance through and through for sure um yeah just i yeah despite all that i actually quite enjoyed it even though it's three hours long and, and quite dingy and quite dark um but no very good so i'm kind of looking forward to you know to seeing where our bats goes next and you know where they go next with the, this particular series so yeah, I enjoyed it. Four out of five. It was vaguely hinted at in the Dark Knight. Um, in that there was a bit where he sat in Wayne Enterprises and he's fallen asleep. You know, while they meet, you know, he's there in his suit in the boardroom, but he's fallen. Oh yeah, asleep. they're having the board meeting. Um, 
And it just reminded me, and I cannot remember what Batman book it is. I can't remember. It might be one of the ones I've referenced, but I can't remember. Like he's at some kind of business meeting, and he's just staring out the window, and he's really, really bored, and he's watching the, the board sun, meeting. He's watching the sun go down, and when the sun's finally down, he's like, he's alive. It's his time. He's ready. He's, he, you know, it, it always gets put really badly. You know, Batman's the real him. It's like, well, clearly not. He was raised as a boy called Bruce Wayne. He wasn't born in Sicilia. <laughs> but yes, I think the idea of that as his real purpose is actually explained here better than Katie Holmes touching Bale's face and going, this is your mask. It's like, <laughs> that. That's. Exp- and I'm not knocking those films at all because I love those films. And the one thing you won't get me to say tonight, uh, because I don't know yet, is whether I prefer it to any of the Nolan films. Well, I certainly prefer it to The Dark Knight Rises, but certainly... Yeah, I think yeah. that'll come with time, won't it? But I think it's, it's just handled in a different way, isn't it? Try to make him a bit more, more human and trying to move away from the whole... What I will say was... As a younger kid, Batman wasn't a favourite of mine. He didn't have powers or anything. And I've talked about all this before, but I went through a handful of very specific books and, and comic books, you know, and, and aesthetics of Batman that I absolutely adored. This has put it on film for the first time. This is this is this is the closest I'm going to get to a live action long Halloween. Why? Because they're never going to make Gotham aside, which is something very different. They're never going to make Batman their sort of A-lister, a television show in and of itself it's always they might do spin-offs but it's never going to be batman's primary thing is that the closest you're going to get is like animated or whatever and um the long halloween done properly would have to be very episodic and very long um so the closest you're going to get is a rather long film that understands the things that have come into to making the character what he is even the batman he was referred to as the batman very early in his life why because probably because he was based on the shadow and things like that and i like that i've always liked the batman as his moniker um you're never going to get away from a degree of like kevlar and bulletproof and steel and all that now he's not going to run around in tights right but it is black and gray which is what it should be affleck was too as well but he just looked like he'd get too many donuts and and the problem with the Affleck version of the character, and I, I'm sorry, you know, Snyder fans, and I said, had some nice things to say about his version of Justice League, but that incarnation of Batman was thick as shit, right? <laughs> Lex Luthor wound him up and then pointed him at Superman. And this is meant to be like the world's greatest detective. It's like, fuck off. That's really dumb. So having, I, I don't really like superheroes in the Batman world. I'm aware DC, whose property it is, does do that. But I think he, I think he does play better when he's a bit grounded. But the one thing I liked about the, the Batman that Affleck came up with is the bit that never got realized in the, in the Suicide Squad. We got, uh, yeah, Suicide Squad, the original version that Affleck. I have to say which one. <laughs> well, the Suicide Squad is James Gunn, isn't it? But Suicide Squad, the one that came out same year as um, Batman and Superman make a porno. Um, <laughs> um, they they um, they had a shot of Arkham Asylum, and it had this heightened reality, a bit like the Arkham games, where you could imagine that feeling kind of realistic, and yet someone like Poison Ivy existing in that world. And I'm not sure this is quite that. Um, and I'll be interested to see how Arkham looks when we see it properly. But um, I, I do think that um, we have got um, 
we've got a world that looks like the harder end of the comic book world that I really, really like. Um, and it and it's and it's got Batman as a detective, which you almost never get. And also, I think most people who've ever directed him must think somewhere, consciously or subconsciously, that he looks a bit stupid. Because they really do... Str- Firstly, they put him in a, a black, so they don't have to show it up too much. And secondly, they play heavily on his disappearing skills. I mean, uh, Nolan was doing that constantly. The only place we saw it in this film is where he happened on the video of his dad. Yeah, that was, that was a bit of a sort of Nolan format as Batman, really, wasn't it? But when you read a Batman comic, he'll frequently be in a reasonably well-ripped room talking with everybody. <laughs> and if you said to me, we could I wonder if that, that comes from like the old, like the comics, or like do it from the old series where like you just see like you know an explosion and then he'd vanish, sort of thing. I, I don't know about Ninja, that, vanish. but I, yeah, I, I, I definitely Ninja vanishing still. is a bit, a bit, a part of him. But what I'm saying is that in the comic books, he stands around and works things out with people. And I'm thinking, yeah, how, do you, that how do you do that in live action where you get a proper detective show, but he still looks intimidating. He still feels like this mysterious thing mm. striking from the shadows. And the film does it quite early. You've got the villains, villains seeing the bat signal and then just imagining him all these places he's not and then when he does appear the score really works well with that the score really yeah, works definitely. but not yeah, yet. It does really well what have we, we we've ex- we've um stressed physical presence the foley work he's got really heavy feet that he walks very deliberately on and he just we've got, we've got that scene like where he's at the sort of police station kind of he's literally kind of walking down the hall and all the other kind of all the other sort of cops are just like you know who the hell you know there's that guy and but when he when he enters he, he normally enters quite slowly and and very deliberately on very very heavy feet and um it's just stressing his physical presence so because they do that and because he's playing him quite internal a bit like a keaton i suppose he maintains a bit of an air of mystery in that he'll say the odd thing to detectives but largely you're seeing his eyes and he's thinking and then he'll turn and say something, and he's still got this mysterious, slightly unquieting tone to him. I mean, imagine if that was George Clooney, just stood in the room. You know, it's like you know, he'd be ordering the pizzas for everyone. Um, it, I think we getting coffee in for everybody. I think what I would just say, because I want to try and keep this bit brief, is that first off, let's just quickly address some of the things you've just said. The length. I I can't really disagree. I mean, two hours and 56 minutes looked intimidating. And you could probably have tightened it down by 20, 25 minutes and no one would have complained. Two hours, 35 feels different. Because this feels like, what, three hours, not two and a half or near two. Um, So there's that. But it didn't bother me. And I think part of it is because I keep mentioning the, the long Halloween and things like that, they took a long time to read. You know what I mean? I'm I'm quite happy to just hang out in this world. So it didn't bother me, but I can't argue it isn't on, certainly on the long side. I think actually I'm slightly different from Chris in that, although thematically I understand entirely why and what's happening and I can talk to the themes of this film quite well, I actually was far less interested in the action at the end. I, I thought the last 20 minutes were amongst the weakest 
I, I was I was much more interested before that. I thought all of that could have done with tightening. But I, I did enjoy it very, very oh, much. Yeah, and just, I, I just think... to clarify, it wasn't like, oh, this is like, this. Is the, it, 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 I think it was more a change of tempo. It was like, oh, you know, it's like... Something's happening. Yeah, no, I oh, get yeah. it. I get it. But this this is kind of, without it, knowing it... This thing, is... thing, thing, things felt exciting yeah. rather than like, uh, this oh, is this, the is, Batman. This, is, this is an interesting idea. This is like... yeah, It's the Batman I always wanted. And, and I think there's a degree that he, he's been reasonably faithful to, to certain aspects of Batman's history without being... In, um, imprisoned by it. There's no Wayne Manor. He lives in a high rise. That makes sense to me. The Riddler takes the essence of the character and then just fits it around thematically what this film's going to do. Well, actually, the funny thing is, the one critique I read of this was somebody said uh, he's just a carbon copy of the Joker, and it's like, I think you've well, yes, if you talk about a, f- a film going into like the news stations of him yeah, like, that... threatening someone, yes, but. The Joker. That, that's, that's not really like. But the, uh, but that's well, like, out criticism, is it really? No, but no, that? because the the Joker wanted nothing but chaos. In in some respects, the Joker wanted nothing. This is without being a cliche. This is a guy who had some of the same upbringing as Bruce, or at least some of the same roots as Bruce, and he has got a completely bloodshot idea of what making a difference is. He's Bruce if if Bruce had a completely different upbringing. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's try he is a superhero in his own mm. head. Um and he honestly thinks when he calls Bruce in because he says Bruce Wayne over and over again and you you keep thinking he knows who he is. He doesn't know who he is. He's he's obsessed with Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne is his origin story. He thinks Batman is going to sit with him and they'll enjoy all the chaos together. He has no conception. He, in, in many respects, he's far, far madder than the Joker. Um, the Joker was just an anarchist, and they're different. They're different types of escalation. They both share the similar theme with the Dark Knight of escalation, but whereas Nolan was, it's chaos. Um, with this, it's more about Bruce. It's understand. more deliberate. It's more deliberate, but not only that. Um, We'll talk about the whole vengeance thing in a minute. It's mm. about Bruce learning to be more complete, which yeah. is something Michael Corleone never learned in The Godfather, another sort of Godfather parallel, I suppose. But yeah. I, I, I felt that, um, I, I felt that yes, it was on the long side, um, but I mean, there were so many things about it that I didn't know I wanted till I saw, you know, like that Batmobile. I think I saw a still of it a while back, and I just thought, what, what, what's this? The fucking Dukes of Hazard. Mm. Um, and when it was finally done, I thought this is so much more logical than, well, if you see the Tumblr in the Nolan films, and I'm not going to say too much negative about the Nolan films, I like them, but it wouldn't be hard to trace that back to Wayne Enterprises. In fact, one guy does. Not many people are out buying vehicles like that. Um, I'm not ready to rank it. I think stylistically, I think the world is the Batman I wanted. So if you said to me... Um, they all start now, right? They're all the same age as they were when they started. And they can be adapted to the themes of today as much as necessary. But you can have half a dozen Keaton films, half a dozen Kilmer films if you want, half a dozen Bale films, half a dozen Affleck films, whatever they would be, or half a dozen of these. I would unquestionably take this world because this is the Gotham world I always wanted. It's the most interesting version of Gotham I've seen. I got so pissed off by The Dark Knight Rises, where he just pointed a camera at New York and went, that'll do. Um, uh, the fact it's raining all the time, you could think it's overkill, but it's almost a, it's almost a city that can't get clean. 
you know, and I like that. Is it the best Batman film? I, I'm a very, very long way from saying that, but I couldn't actually have loved it anymore. Oh, Batman of Open is, but it kept giving me all these things that I didn't know I wanted, and I was like, that's perfect. Oh, that, yeah, that's perfect. Mm. Yes, I love that. Oh, yes, I recognize that. Oh, my God, that's just like my favorite comic book, but you haven't just done. See, Snyder reference loads of comic books he referenced you know the dark uh the, the dark knight returns and, and loads of others that are slipping my mind now but it was all this potch potch mismatch of just cool images from um matt reeves has taken it and fashioned it into a story that lasts a week the long halloween lasts a year you know he's actually told a very different story and he's taken mm. from the best i don't know if it's him i don't know if it's co-writer i don't know who the hardcore batman films are here uh, fans are not films. Uh, Batman fans are here, but they've pi- but they've picked all the things I'd want them to pick. Um, Matt Reeves lacks a little bit of levity in places, and I, I think that's true here. But I enjoyed it so much. Funny enough, the the weakest thing in the film for me, and I, it's not really a complaint. It was just he didn't stand out so much. Jeffrey Wright seemed a bit. I just think it's Gordon lacked a little bit of character, and that might be because um, they made a bit, quite an effort with Gary Oldman's. He's just, he's, he's just. I don't know, with Jeffrey Wright, I mean, both actors are obviously hugely talented, but I kind of feel like with Jeffrey Wright, it's more like understatement, like understatement. You know, he'll play it like very understated, and and let that kind of stand for itself. Well, just really, to finish but... the thought, just to finish the thought, right? It, it's not that he did anything wrong. It's just that he feels. Straight from central casting, which sounds odd when he's a person of colour, but straight from central casting, give me someone jaded and a bit grizzled, but essentially decent. And he's nothing more than that. Well, At this stage, he might well grow into much, much more. He's perfect fit for the, for the role. Like, it's, um, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I think he's like, you know... Um, absolutely perfectly fine for you he fits that sort of type just Got well. no issue with the casting i just i just think more meat i just it. think for, for me i know what you say i actually i i, I kind of see where you come in and i kind of agree because of one of the one of the points i on that first initial viewing when i was like um god you know i'm feeling i'm feeling this runtime um I, I can't remember which scene it was but it was one of the the there's quite a number of scenes with batman and gordon and batman's talking like this and god and gordon's talking like this and just like it's like i'm like thinking this is almost coming like a parody of itself like they're all everyone's yeah. talking so like dark and like uh and gruffled and just thinking i understand you know you don't have to have levity but my god <laughs> you know there was those times where like everyone's kind of like I've been gruff and grumbly half time, and I just—I don't mind grim dark, providing and we're not only getting think, grim dark. You know, there's, I, there's there's a world of like comic books films, yeah, there, and there's room for everything. And I prefer my Batman quite dark. What I don't just want is stylistically dark. Like Snyder doesn't understand the difference between um, adult looking and actually adult. And as I say, his Bruce Wayne was absolutely thick as pig shit, and, and but you could look at him and go, well, he's comic book accurate, and you go. Well, yeah, there's bits in this that are a bit like the Arkham Asylum game and there's a shot in it that's like the Dark Knight Returns and he's playing the part of a playboy, which is what he does in several comic books. But Bruce Wayne is a fucking genius and you've just wound him up and pointed him at Superman. He's thick, you know, 
here's the thing here's the thing about like batman now maybe no fair enough my mostly guided by the movies or whatever but and i know like batman is like ronaldo's like the greatest detective yeah but like where the fuck does that even come from like like he's a billionaire is he just naturally gifted detective I think this is where I lack knowledge, but I mean, he did basically leave Gotham and disappear for seven years and just came back trained in fucking everything. Part of it is he's naturally a genius. Part of it is, you know, the training he puts himself through. Some of it is tech. Obviously, he has various tools that will help him find things out. Uh, The films have never really. You you had a bit in The Dark Knight where um, he tried to reconstruct a bullet. And that is about it. He hasn't done a lot of detective work. And a lot of people have pointed to this and said, well, actually, he didn't work that out. And that crime already happened. You go, well, no, it's not that I think world's greatest detective, although it's it's a moniker given to him, um, is a little bit unhelpful because quite often with Batman, he's he's trying to sort of sort the pattern and get ahead of the crimes. And if he solved it, if he solved it in two pages, that wouldn't really work. Um, he's often given quite complex things to work out, but it, effectively he appeared in detective comics, right? And and that's what it was. It was like, you know, it, it was an attempt to marry sort of the, the 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 detective comics to the sort of you know the new superhero genre which Superman had launched. And I'm I'm not an expert any further than that, but this is the Batman. This is the Batman world I always wanted. Mm. Whether it's the Batman film I always wanted, well, I suppose you can argue about, but it certainly does pick from loads of things I like and do it absolutely perfectly. And I was going to say, I, is this like the Batman Anything I say wanted. against this film is just going to be absolute nitpicking. So with that, shall we discuss this film sequentially? We start with, like, binocular shot of um, what I thought at the time was, like... Um, We've seen like a young Bruce Wayne and his dad. Yeah, yeah, uh, actually that time. makes sense. I've been like Catwoman, perhaps. I thought that's well, quite interesting. We saw the like, oh, twenty this? years later because we find out. I mean, just a, this is Rupert Penry Jones. Rupert Penry Jones is probably best known oh, for his role in. Spooks. But he was in the film as well. Oh my gosh. Mm. Best known in Spooks. It was it was annoying me during the film because I recognised him and couldn't place him. I had to look when it finished. But he was best known. He was in three or four seasons of um, BBC show Spooks. Those of you in America may, I think it wasn't called Spooks over there. It was called MI5 or something like that. MI5, but, not 95. But he was in like three or four series seasons of that as like, um, MI5 is like the domestic version of MI6. So it's like, um, it's secret service, but domestic. So it deals with domestic terrorism and th- that sort of thing. Would it be like more FBI? Famous. Would it be a bit more like FBI, like equivalent of the FBI, or would that? Am I just I, thinking? I, I, I don't know because that's still cross-state crimes. I'm sure they're not interested in like murders and that sort of thing. I don't know, but yeah, just think James Bond, but not operating around the world, operating in the UK. Um, but anyway, um, it, it kind of is because what what's happening is he stood watching a video, and this I didn't get this until second viewing because. He's watching a video of the previous night's debate between him and his mm. challenger, the Bella yeah. Rial's character. But on the screen, on first viewing, it didn't look like him. So I, yeah. thought, I thought he I was, was at, watching, watching it live and he was like... Um... I, I, I actually thought what it was was he was at the end of his term because you've got term limits in America mm. and he was watching the two people vying to replace him. 
But it was, I saw it on second viewing, that it is actually him, and he's watching his debate back from the previous night. Um, now, we'll, well, just to skip over what happens, because he gets murdered, but when, when Batman is there, he sees a young boy. It's Halloween night. His parents just been killed, or a parent's just been killed. And it's obviously reminding him, because his parents were killed around the same time of the year, mm-hmm. 20 years before, and his father, we find out, was running for mayor. So it's all a bit close to home for him. Mm. But yeah, he's attacked by a strange figure in a mask who basically uh, beats him to death. Yes. Um, and sort of tapes him up. Um, and he's and... got um, he's got framed like newspaper articles and front mm. pages around his, uh, his office, his den, whatever you want to call it. It's his home, but, you know, it, it's probably mm. like his den, I suppose. And uh, he's daubs no more lies over it. Yeah. And he leaves a note for the Batman mm. with a riddle. So now, we ne- Go on. No, so I was going to say we next see... Well, unless you want to elaborate on that. No, I don't really. I think the only thing I want to just say is of it, we've been told this is year two i mean that's technically it's a, he's a, towards the end of mm. his second year as the Batman. yeah and um so he's almost going into year three really yeah and uh, he t- commissioner oh, not the commissioner he's a lieutenant at this point gordon james gordon uh, turns yeah. with him he, so he's already built some kind of reputation and some relationships yes yeah, so it's like we kind of get dropped straight into it even though um no, I'll, I'll pick that up at the end. Um, I was going to say, but anyway, yeah. So we get dropped straight up into it, um, and I think this is what you mean, where it's just like Batman just just hanging around talking to people. Um, I think that it has to look dark really to, to for it to look yeah look right. Because... And he has to be careful how chummy he gets. He can't just go, "Yes, I'll have a latte" or something. Yeah, we think about that waistline because it, it all starts to look a bit like you know a bit ridiculous. You know, and, and... would you like a donut, Mister Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take two. No. Um, Maybe that's what happened to Batfleck as well. As you say, like he wasn't you know fat or anything like that, but he was he was quite buff. Um, so maybe that's what it was. He was hiding all these donuts Affleck in his fat suit. In, Affleck was in wonderful shape. The suit was just very bulky. That's all. Yeah, no, no, definitely, no. He was, he was, he was definitely fine. It was just, it was just a really quite, quite uh, a big and suit. And to be fair, the one thing I, I, I must just add this: if you There's go a lot and of pockets, read, a lot of space. If you want, if you go and read the Dark Knight Returns, he's very bulky in that. Although he's meant to be fifty-five years of age at that point, so I can see what Schneider was going for. I, I just never really liked that aesthetic. Although I liked the idea that it was. I like the fact that he was finally in grey and black. But yeah, we're at a crime scene where basically the mayor has just, or the yeah, the incumbent mayor has just been killed. Um, funny thing, right? Did any of you ever, I haven't watched it in 20 years, but did any of you ever watch EastEnders at any point in your life? Yeah, so basically Trevor's the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I, I would like, never I have picked that up. I've just found this out myself. I just the like, police like, commissioner was yeah, evil like, Trevor. Where do I know that man from? Oh, he's from East Denton. Yeah, but he was a young, good-looking guy back then. He's yeah, like, that was like 20 years ago. I know. The police, the police commissioner played a wife beater in, like... Uh, Britain has two very, very popular like, evening soaps. We have many different operas. soaps, but the, the two main ones. The two main ones. He was a, a quite a nasty Scottish wife beater in that. 
and and here it's like no trace of the Scottish, and he's he's aged two decades. And no, probably, it's Alex somebody or other, and isn't he, and it? He, he's, he's played like, on loads of TV in that yeah, sense. Far as and, like, and he's gained about forty pounds in weight as well. See, I I thought it was someone else. You see, I when, when when she came on, I was like, I, I can't remember the actor's name, mm. but um. And I'll, I'll try and. You just knew it was that guy from EastEnders. Yeah, I've, I, like, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll try. Actually, that, that's that was probably like the three surprises. It was obviously, um, Rupert Perry Jones, who I remember from one of his first feature films, where he basically appeared half naked. Um, Spooks. Which um, half? Uh, Alex somebody that I can't I can't remember his name. I'll look him up on IMDb.com. Um, and Colin Farrell. There was like three big surprises for me in this film. I was like, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So, um, to cut because we could get very heavy into this because it's a three-hour film, but to speed things along, yeah, that's, that's there's, not. There's uh, his thumb's been removed, and it's a play on the thumb drive term uh, mm. that's been left in a car, which is what the riddle hints at, and it's got images of the mayor with a woman at the iceberg lounge, which is operated by a guy known to the police as the Penguin Oswald Cobblepot, and he has links to Carmine Falcone like the main mafia boss in the city mm. who is like a, a Vito Corleone analog in the comic books generally right down to having a bit of a soppy song called Alberto, which isn't referenced in this film. Um, so Batman goes to visit that club. Is that jumping on too far? Or is that fair enough? No, we might as well, because it, it is a long film. So um, it, yeah. it, we might as well sort of make, well, so when he goes to the lounge, he meets uh, the penguin. Um, nice sort of mirroring yeah. when Bruce Wayne goes later and says, do you know who I am? Exactly the same way. Um, and the penguin is, a, a, a Selina Carl comes out and sort of gives him something and she hands something back. And it looks very like she's into the, you keep getting references to drops and drop heads. Mm-hmm. That's the drug in this universe. And you think she's involved with that. She's actually Annika's roommate, and it does it might maybe imply they're impl- they're uh, romantically involved. Yes, or well, there's certainly like a close friendship anyway. Yeah, but she's calling a baby on the phone mm. and then touching her face when they meet up. And oh, all right. It, it's at least suggested, and I know Zoe Kravitz said that she assumed from the script uh, that she was playing the role bisexual. Um. And that's that's been in various continuities over the years. But basically, Annika there was a waitress and she's obviously, as we find out through the film, being farmed out to various men of power, one of whom is the the, the mayor who happened to have a passport mm-hmm. in a safe at his house. Yeah. And then don't we find out. So, yeah, it goes up to she goes up to, to his house um, and then they uh Batman meets up with Catwoman, have a little fisticuff, and um, well, the thing we—it's worth just saying—is we keep we're going to talk about it, and I think the film does it subtly would be the wrong word because it is very obvious. But it, if there's one thing it does have over the Nolan films, and I'm, I'm jumping around a bit here, but people used to say about Nolan that his biggest flaw was action, and I always said no, his biggest flaw is dialogue because he has. The same flaw, he's a better filmmaker, but he has the same flaw of George Lucas, that he has the characters stand around and talk about the the themes and the plot to Mm -hmm. each other. And of course, because Batman has a journal in this film, you're mimicking the internal dialogue of the film. So you don't actually need them to all stand around and explain things to each other. 
So whereas, you know, all the themes of escalation were talked about openly in the Nolan films, here we're allowed to infer it for ourselves. Um, the opening shot of the film is the penguin, or not the penguin, sorry, the Riddler spying on the thing. And now we've got Batman doing the same thing. They have similarities as characters. Mm. Um, Selina goes home to talk to Annika. Annika eventually sort of disappears because Batman goes off with her. Um, and we find out that, um, well, what do we find out? It's all, it, they're basically, it, it, it's, everybody's involved. Uh, it's, mm. This lounge is, this nightclub has got the police commissioner going there, the mayor going there, the district attorney going there. The district attorney, funnily enough, um, the district attorney's played by uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard is the partner of and father of the children of uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, who was in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, The Dark Knight. Mm. I was about to say The Dark Knight Rises. She was dead by then. <laughs> um, so, no, that wasn't going to happen. Um, so, Annika does disappear, and that sort of fuels Selena's. Yeah. So then the, the commission is picked off at some point as well, isn't he? He has, he has, he has. Uh, uh, well, we don't. Through. I don't think. Yeah, we. Yeah, we. That's the bit that where you, if you're gonna make the link to the Joker in the Nolan films, this is where you'll do it, because the Joker sent in a video to the news of him, um, killing one of these, teasing and then killing one of these Batman knockoffs. Uh, here he's got a video of him with the commissioner and it's something to do with rats it's very nice it's a 1984 reference isn't it mm-hmm. room 101 in in uh well it was a tv show in britain it was about getting rid of all the things that you hate the most room 101 comes from 1984 and it was to do with the, the main character winston had a fear of rats and they were sort of put in a cage right by his face and that it was like he was being threatened with his face being eaten off and that's what we've got here mm-hmm. But it's all playing games with Gordon and the Batman about what is it? He's, you know, no more lies. Why is he abducting major public figures and implying they're part of something rancid within this city? So it, it Savage gets uh, killed. That's quite that's dealt with quite quickly. And it's not long after the mayor's killing the one with um the one with Coulson, uh, that name rings a bell, Gil Coulson. I'm sure that's a reference to something. I don't know if it's a comic book or it reminds me of something else. I'm not sure. But see, Peter Sarsgaard's character. Now, Batman, and I quite like this because he's always had high tech. And he wears, um, he wears, uh, what are they called? On your eyes. Yeah, like contacts. Contact. But... I couldn't think of the words contact lenses. I think partly, I think his eye colour is slightly different when they're in, so that's partly a disguise, mm. but also they video everything he sees. So we can go through the footage in the morning and check back on things, pick up on clues and everything. And he gets Selena to wear one of these and go to the nightclub. And she bumps into, or she sees Gil Coulson, but because because Bruce is not quite sure what he's seen, he gets her to look at him a bit mm. longer and she says, well, if I look at him longer, he's going to come over here. Because effectively, I think they're all pros- effectively sex workers in that lounge, effectively, or at least trafficked in some way. Um, and of course, she gets into a long conversation with a rather inebriated um, district attorney. And um, 
Yeah, I don't he, really. He, he's clearly shitting himself as well because he's like, shit. I, I, you know, two of my so-called colleagues have just been grisly murdered, and like, you know, we're, we're all on edge because you know we could be next. Well, there no more lies. That they're aware of something, mm. and the film has made reference to, and again, another character that it was Eric Roberts in the um, Nolan film, Salvatore Moroni. Um, effectively, him and Falcone are competing mob bosses in many of the continuities. Mm. And the film makes reference to the fact that the biggest drug bust that ever happened was Salvatore Moroni, and presumably he was put away. I'm presuming he's alive and in like Black Greek prison or whatever mm. at this in this continuity. And something is not quite right with that bust. I think even though you'd have to be pretty on the ball to figure out what the problem is, I think you wouldn't have to think too hard to know that it's something to do with that. And it's all the people involved with that. Now, again, in many continuities, James Gordon moves in from somewhere else. James Gordon won't have been in the city when this happened, although in this continuity, he said he did work that case. But I imagine it'd be like lower level. Yes, it's that and he's not corrupt. Mm. Um, so um, the Riddler abducts Coulson in his car. Every time he abducts someone or kills someone, you, you hear that sort of masking tape being unrolled, mm. which is kind of grim in itself. And he stra straps a, a bomb to his neck yeah. and sends him to the... I don't know if it's a funeral or it's a memorial. Probably a funeral, given the whole time frame of this thing is a week. And that's where they go to St. George's Hall. Now, I lived in Liverpool for five years, but I never went inside George's Hall. So I don't know if the inside shots are there. Chris, you live up that way. Have you ever been into no, St. George's no, Hall? No, no, I've never been inside myself, no. No, I mean, I lived there for years. I walked past it all the time, but never went inside. I mean, it looks like it could be, though. It's it not, looks uh... like it could be. I mean, it's they've definitely built a cohesive world here. So we go to the funeral. Um he sees the boy again, uh, Mitchell's son. So, and of course he's Bruce at this point. He's dressed as Bruce. Mm. Um, in in between, I just want to make quick reference to when he sees just, Alfred. His just, just a just a quick update. I've just googled images and I don't think so by looking what I see. Okay, I wouldn't have thought so either because inside and outside are very rarely the same things mm. in any of these mediums. Um, but I do think that. I do need to make reference quickly back to when you first see him in the Batcave, which is not an aesthetic I particularly like, the Batcave, but okay. Um, and he's talking to Alfred, and his relationship with Alfred is noticeably cold. Um, and yeah. again, I, 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 it will warm up. For, through the events of the film, it will warm up over, over time and installments, but it's cold at this point. I don't know if it's a mixture of Bruce resenting the fact this guy brought him up, or the fact that Alfred feels guilty that Bruce didn't have his parents around or, or whatever. I'm not sure. But they're very cold with each other. And um, I do feel like he goes to the funeral. And he, but the point is that he doesn't get involved in Wayne Enterprises. Alfred is trying to get like the, the board or the shareholders or whatever it is to come round mm. to like their apartment because he's not going in because he's absolutely like the new recruit to being Batman. He's that's all he thinks about. But uh, the, the, the salient points are, um, I think that the, the mayoral candidate talks to him about wanting to work with the Wayne, the Wayne family. 
because he's the richest man in town to do more sort of charity work or more regeneration work. We keep hearing hearing talk about this sort of regeneration program that's been in place for years that was funded by Thomas Wayne. But we find out later in the film was just a slush fund for like nefarious activities. Um, he goes to the he goes to the boy that that's relevant here. But I th- we're straight into the collar bomb, basically, aren't we? Yeah, it's um, a car sort of, you know, drives straight in, in, in into the place and mm. they clear the area and it's um, the Riddler has a phone taped to him um, as a, a message for the Batman. And so yeah, he kind of has to answer like three questions, honestly, otherwise he'll get the code and set him, set him free. Uh, one is like, um, is what he did was like basically a bribe, wasn't it? He has to admit that he accepted the bribe. One was like, how much? I believe it was. Uh, right. The first one was um, it was a play on justice. Oh yeah. Because I got that one watching it sort of live at the time. I mean, I don't think it's the hardest um, riddle in the world, by the way. But he said blind and two other things, and it was like, well, that's justice. I'd said it almost out loud. Mm. The second one was about his bribe price. Mm which turned out to be 10 grand or something. And then the third one was about giving a name, which he wouldn't do. And admittedly for all this, this guy's faults, I think he was, I think he knew he was going to die here, but he was like, no, I can't, I can't. Once I'm a target for the ultimate rat who we won't reveal at this point, but we'll come to, um, my family are going to be at risk. So he effectively lets himself die here. Yeah. Cause which is kind of like, well, like the hell's going to be on me and my family, so I might as well just be me. Uh, that makes ba- uh, Batman and Gordon. We'll just quickly go through the scene that Batman is blown backwards by this sort of bomb because he can. Yeah. Uh, I'm amazed he survives um, it so well, yeah, but he unscathed. does. Unscathed. Well, he's knocked out anyway, and he wakes up in police headquarters, and everyone says, "Why didn't they take the mask off him?" Well, that's why Gordon was there. Gordon, I think, in most continuities, doesn't actually want to unmask this guy. Um, but they, they deduce from this that because it's all to do with drugs and informants, they think it might be the penguin. Um, and they find that Moroni's operation operation would just went straight to Falcone mm. with, with Gotham police involved. Um, and so they go, this is, this is leading to the big car chase basically, isn't it? They go to, um, yeah, so he, he escapes, uh, he, he punches Gordon out and... Um, he escapes and jumps off the Liver building. Yes, uh, and then... Um, I think this is where they go straight to sort of bust the penguin and uh, Selina turns up to steal money. Yeah, because they think it's the penguin, so they... Um, yeah. So they, they think, so they think, uh, they, so they go that um, Marconi's operation transfers to Falcone work with... Many, uh, they the think officers. it's gone to the penguin at this stage. Yeah. But it turns out not to be the case. They do work out it's not actually the penguin. Uh, and there's the uh, L U R L L Rata Ratada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they find Anika's corpse. Yeah, Selena finds Anika's corpse as well. She's like dead in the car trunk. Yeah. And this just leads to the basically the car chase, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a big shootout and the big big car chase. Which is the scene is in the, all the trailers in Walking Slow. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That's in all the trailers. <laughs> doing his um, De Niro. Like, that's when you said earlier he was like De Niro. That's exactly the scene I pictured. 
Yeah, I, I, actually, the yeah, one I got I was... that vibe as well. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's, that's the kind of vibe I got. Do you know as what well? it reminded me of? It, it, it was because De Niro, well, he's he's gained and lost a bit like Bale. He's gained and lost weight several times, but he gained weight to play um, Al Capone in The Untouchables. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he did try to transform himself quite a bit, didn't he? That's not unlike this. Which is where, which is weird because apparently like the studios wanted um, De Niro. Um, but they like. Oh really? Uh, they, they're, they're in. Um, no, in. I've told, no, I, I've told this story on a podcast on one of our podcasts before. Yeah. They, they, I would say yeah. I think Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins walked away for a quarter of a million dollars not to do anything, but uh-huh. they were up front with him. They they wanted De Niro, and they said if we can't get De Niro, we'll go for Bob Hoskins. So they went to Bob Hoskins, and they said, and Bob Hoskins, they, it was never heated, but I got the impression Bob Hoskins said to them, well. You either want me or De Niro, surely. And they said, you know, Make your mind why? Up. and they said, well, how about this? We give you quarter of a million dollars. And if he doesn't turn up, it's yours. And if he does turn up, take the money. And uh, that it is rumoured that it was exactly the same deal with John Gavin for Diamonds Are Forever, that they wanted... They wanted Lazenby back or the James Bond of the time, Sean Connery, back. But they basically gave him half a million as like a contingency. Yeah. To, to stop him doing anything else, basically. that It's not just like for their ego. It's like, well, if we don't give Bob Hoskins this, he might go off and do another film with like Neil Jordan or something. Um. So, yeah, that was what that story was. But definitely, definitely, uh, this is... This is De Niro in body language, and when I look at the physical type, I go, actually reminds me a little bit of his Al Capone. Mm. The um, the thing is, if you Google Al Capone, you actually see what he looks like. You're thinking, Hoskins is like the perfect casting. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, when I first watched, not when I first watched the film, I'd have been too young, because I'm sure I first saw it at about 13 or something. But certainly I watched it in my later teens, I think. And I remember watching it and thinking, I can imagine Bob Hoskins in this. Genuinely, mm. that is true. And years later, Bob Hoskins told that story. And I'm thinking, yeah, they're, they're basically the same vibe. Yeah. Funnily enough, though, I could actually see back in the day, Bob Hoskins doing a good penguin. <laughs> Which is not... Wow, maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, um, I think the thing that really sort of struck me about De Niro, well, apart from that bit, was the, um, in, in this film, sorry about... Foul doomed is the kind of when he when he first pops up with um, Batman is a take it easy sweetheart you know <laughs> he did, you know he, he kind of has you know he kind of had that like hot De Niro vibe um, but anyway yeah so uh, he I mean I don't want to get too heavily into it but I will tip my hat to the fact that a lot of people have complained and I know Charlie wasn't overchuffed about it I mean Charlie is someone who's, who's who felt that. If you're going to have someone play someone overweight, cast someone overweight. Now, as someone who's been overweight most of my life, although not so much these days, but I, I certainly was. I mean, there were in the early days of this show, I was like 80 something pounds heavier than I am now. Um, I've never felt that way. I just think like you, whoever you think is best for the role, you got to make them up fine. But there, there was certainly a bit of a backlash to Colin Farrell, a reasonably decent looking guy playing like uh, a fat and ugly guy but i think that <laughs> the answer's in the end result he's fantastic yeah i mean i i, I do like 
yeah, I, I have like kind of semi wrestled with that myself. I mean, I'm not that bothered because I, I, you know, I like the interpretation, but um. But I think you and I, although we've got very different ideas of politics in a lot of ways, I think we're both wired the same way that some things will really offend us and upset us. And for example, I don't ever want to do the Harry Potter films for all of that conversation. We, we've had that conversation on our podcast before, but with things like this, where it's, it's almost mildly offensive at worst, it's like, whatever my opinion, I don't feel it that strongly to be bothered. I can kind of see where Charlie was coming from though. Cause I did, I did see his tweet and post about it. I can kind of see where he's coming from, but that, that just comes like that. That's just like a, a villainous trope though, isn't it? It's a long way. It's, it's nothing new. Um, and I mean, no, no offense, Charlie, you know, massive respect for him. Just, just the man is a legend and we'll love him forever. Uh, it's, it's just one of those sort of, you know, it's just, a, it's a long, it's a, it's a new addition, a long line of villainous tropes really. Um, and it's not the first time. It's not the last time. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, his performance was, was brilliant. So. I just want to say his problem is not that the Penguin's fat. The, the, his problem is that they've cast like a handsome, slim guy. Well, no, this, no, exactly. That's, that's, you know, to, that's typically what you would do. You know, yeah. you sort of, as, as you said, Dave, you know, pick, pick who was the, bar, you know, pick who's, who's the best actor on the role and you make them up, for example. You know, a lot of, as I say, you know, a lot of other um, roles have been cast this way. Like, um, it's not a villainous role, but Anthony Hopkins in, in Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, for example, he disappeared under a mound of latex to play Hitchcock. Um, well, Anthony Hopkins uh, does not like yeah, Alfred that's, Hitchcock, that's a, poor, does he? You know, yeah. that's a poor example, but no, it's a good example. There are other ways around it, but you know, it's just one of those things where, him. like, you can cast somebody. Oh, oh. sorry. Anyway, Dude. I'm just going to I'm going to be quiet for the rest because my voice no, 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 is no. going. So anyway, no, that's fine. Uh, the only thing I'll I'll add is only sort of, only sort of to make a point. You can take this whatever you anyone wants to is like even in batman returns like danny devito still had prosthetics put on for the penguin yes so you could take that for what it what it's whether it's right or wrong whatever but exactly yeah you still have to make my point you say so, i mean yeah it wasn't like you know it was like being at whatever size you are that wasn't my point it's just you know it's a villainous trope that you have to might have to wear makeup be it scarring or you know glasses or whatever um, yeah, that, that that wasn't my point. I do apologise for that. No, no, no. I it's the point of my own point, so apologies for that one. But yeah, no, that wasn't my point at all, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's just those things, you know, you're gonna have to you have to wear makeup or like costume, or whatever. But I just, yeah, I just kind of feel like you know, I'm you've not made the wrong really point. List, so. You've not made the wrong point. It isn't that. What I'm saying is, Danny DeVito was playing a grotesque. Um, this version of the Penguin's kind of an ordinary guy. He's just overweight and balding. I don't want to make too much of it. The point I'm making is I acknowledge the complaints. I understand the complaints. I'm not really feeling it. I don't care. Um, but then, you know, as as the world goes these days, I'm in, the, you know, the most privileged demographic. So maybe I'm not designed to see it. But yeah, anyway, they, they are basically now uh, led to the orphanage that was funded by Bruce's parents. And we find out that Martha is part of the Arkham family and had mental health issues, mm. uh, to say the least. There are continuities where she was in the Arkham family, but not generally. Um, and it, the, the Riddler clearly has a grudge against the Wayne family. So Wayne, Bruce Wayne might be the late, the next um, mm. uh, target. And it turns out he sends like a letter bomb to to Wayne. Mm. Let's say Wayne Manor, even though it isn't probably more like Wayne Tower. 
and uh, Alfred is hospitalised off that because he obviously opens the mail. It, it's it's something about the way it's shot because it's all done kind of like quite slow and obviously it's broken apart by various cutting two and forth scenes. Mm. It always comes across as like Alfred's a bit slow to like the like the idea. Well, you, it, it reminded me of Once Upon a Time in America. I'm like, answer the fucking phone. But obviously the phone ringing is an hour after that happened. Yeah. Because basically he was taken to an hospital an hour before, so maybe an hour and a half. Um, what we find out is that Thomas was running for mayor and his wife's history of... When we say mental health issues, that's underplaying it. She was incarcerated for them. And in the worry that that's going to derail his mayoral bid... Um, he goes to Carmine, uh, Carmine Falcone and says, can you sort this out? And it depends what version did, you did, believe. Did they try and buy him off this? No, it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit, um, is it Rashomon, the, the different perspectives mm. in that you, he either tried to have him killed or he went to talk to a very dangerous man who misinterpreted it and tried to have yeah. him killed. Either way. Um, and this is in this is can, in, can, can you take care of it? Yeah, I I'll think take this it. is in the long Halloween as well. That there is some link between the Wayne family and Carmine Falcone because injured, he's taken to the nearest doctor, not the hospital, and that happened to be Thomas Wayne. That is from the comic books. And um, when Alfred does come around from his you know movie coma, we find out that. He says, and again, it's not proof, it's a perspective. Alpha said, no, he just wanted to threaten the journalist, you know, into silence. That journalist's name is, I can't remember the name now, but I think his son probably, that's a Batman Hush reference, which is another one of the great uh, version, uh, stories from this. Alfred as certainly inferred from this that it is Falcone that had Bruce's parents killed to prevent the reveal of the fact mm. that Falcone killed the journalist. And again, there's no easy answers in this film because no one tells us whether that's true or not. But yeah, it's, we, it's we Alfred's hear it from, perspective. We hear it from Falcone. Falcone like, alludes, alludes to, the, to the idea Yeah, because that... before this, Bruce goes to see Falcone and Falcone yeah. is kind of blaming other people. He just says, like, he told me put the fear of God in him. And, and like, and then he kind of says, and, well, when that didn't work, you know, kind of, but he, he didn't, so it wasn't quoting him at that point, though. That's the thing. He says, um, uh, so it's kind of cleverly done, or Falcone words it cleverly to disguise the fact that all he did was ask him to put the fear of God in him. Didn't say kill him. Yeah. He just, like, elaborated after that. Yeah. And, um. Uh, and then we we learn that um, we learn around here that Selena believes um, Falcone to be her father. Mm. Her mother was at the lounge. It was quite interesting to look at the dates of birth because I think her mother was born in 1976. Well, Zoe Kravitz was born in 1988. Now I don't think this character is born in 1988, but I don't think the age gap is profound. I think this was either an underage or very very young adult. Mm. And she was obviously passed around this lounge, impregnated by Falcone. Um, and then obviously the um, mother ends up, you know, dead. And um, yeah, Falcone has no idea this is his daughter, with with a with a grudge. Mm. 
because her mother died, I can't remember what year it was now, I think she died at 28, I think it was 2004, which made me think, is Zoe Kravitz meant to be like 10 years older than her character? Was was she like six or seven? I, I don't know. But whatever the case, is this where the Riddler gives himself up? Is this before, oh, this is before um, Old Falcone, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's about bringing him into the light, wasn't it? Mm. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, Bruce so gets in there, gets into his Batman outfit and gets um, Falcone out of there. But he's uh, snipered by the Riddler straight away from the window. Yeah. So, yeah, they're about to nail Fal- uh, mm. Falcone. And, and, um, mm. Which I get now, you might be able to answer because this is one thing. Obviously, I've seen it twice. So and I might have missed something. Yeah. Um, so is the point. What's the point in the Riddler sniping Falcone? At that point, because he said, "Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it without you." But it's like we, well, he could have snapped him any time. Logically, he could have, but there's a, there is a degree of theatre about it all. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's done it. He's done one out the night after a debate. Well, I don't know. I mean, that is a fair point. I think there's a degree of he thinks him and Batman are working together. He could have sniped him any time, and that's a fair point. Um. But it's, it depends. It's it depends. It has, it has to be this way, kind of thing. It's like because of the the whole the whole. Cycle. Well, part of me was wondering because they thought the Riddler, uh, Penguin had done it to start with because he had his gun out. Mm. Um, no, the it, you're right. You're right to point that out. But I think he wanted Batman to get him out of there and kill him. Um, whether he's shutting himself yeah. away, I don't know. Because I mean, apart from the, because it's, it's, it's actually his apartment as well. It's it is his apartment, little... yeah. So we don't fine. know how much he goes outside, but obviously he went to the funeral earlier, so mm. I don't really know. It's at this point he gives himself up. He turns out to be an accountant, Edward Nashton. Now, Nashton and Nigma have both been used in the comic books. Um, I don't know if Nigma is... This is where my knowledge does fall down. I don't know if he sort of gave himself the name Nigma afterwards, or whether it depends what version you read. Um, but, yeah, he gives himself up. Very sort of Jack Reacher style, sat in a diner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's taken to Arkham Asylum or Arkham State Hospital. It is te- technically, but yeah, it's known that. Um, yeah, and he he basically wants the Batman to come and see him. He honestly believes Batman is working with him. Uh, Batman believes that he knows he's Bruce Wayne, but he doesn't. And it turns out that something else is afoot, and we don't know what it is. And I think the point I want to make is Bruce is not totally in control of himself at this point. He's banging on the glass and screaming, mm. what did you do? Um, he doesn't know. He goes back to the apartment. He works out that what he's been killing him with, everyone with is like this carpet thing. And I do mm. recognize that because I was brought up by like a carpet fitter. I recognize that tool. Um, and he rips up a carpet and it's basically a map of Arkham with all the sites where he's just basically going to bomb all the sort of dams and mm. let all the water in. And then as it's done that, it basically it car happens. bombs, and then it happens. So he's found out, but he's found out in time. In the meantime, this Bella Riala has been elected mayor, and basically Gotham is now flooded. And I think the only couple of things I really want to say, and we can talk about all the detail you want, but there's only two things that really stand out from now on. Firstly, uh, earlier in the film when he's beating people down and they say, who are you? Which we've had in a lot of Batman films, and the answer is normally, I'm Batman. Uh, here it's I am vengeance and it turns out 
the Riddler has been sort of on a very sort of dark website with about 500 followers of absolute fanatics who will sort of carry on his work once he's incarcerated. He's they're not mentally stable mm. to start with, but he's he's brainwashed them a little bit as well. Yeah. So they dress up a bit like him and go out with various different guns and everything else to carry on his amazing work in their mind. Mm. And one of them says to Bruce, I am vengeance. Or he doesn't say it to Bruce, he says it to Gordon when he's unmasked. He says, I am vengeance. And Bruce looks at him as Batman and just looks at him. And that's where I'm getting that it mirrors the theme of escalation from the the, the Nolan films, but not in the same way. Yeah. It, it is the idea that there's always been this theme in Batman, that Batman's existence, is it actually making anything better or is it drawing out more crazies? And that is addressed in this film. But it's also the fact that I read it as this is where he learns he has to be more than just vengeance. And it's no um, it's no coincidence in my mind that it goes straight from there to him down in the floods within what is supposed to be Madison Square Garden, mm. helping people. It's like I can't just be this guy that comes out of the shadows kicks the shit out of people and disappears i have to be that beacon of hope as well otherwise yeah. i'm these guys you know that's the way i, I i've read mm. yeah yeah it's, it's probably the correct one um i say because this is um well this takes that sort of concept of escalation as as nolan in terms of like the just a whole atmosphere the whole environment but nolan's escalation was more... chaos it's a, no, yeah, this, yeah. this one's a bit more like um, mm. direct, like, yeah. oh no, I am directly influencing people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shit. Nolan's uh, escalation was chaos as well. This is not chaos in the same way. This mm. is people who... Taking the wrong lessons or... Yeah, they're, they're, they're you, but they've totally miss... They've interpreted things very different from you. Yeah. Um, or yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could you could argue whether like it was truly him anyway. They've just latched on to something they were gonna do anyway. It's the same thing with any of the these crazy. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um. So yeah, the, the it kind of we're basically at the point where we're it's wrapping up. Um. We have uh, the Riddler, uh, who's like kind of mortified everything's gone wrong the way it shouldn't have but he's consoled by uh, a soulmate who may or may not be the joker <laughs> well it's Spoiler. mary kagan from uh, the eternals and Spo- it is the joker yeah uh matt reeves has said because i mean that doesn't stack up well against the if you take it as a tease for a sequel it has it holds nothing compared to the Batman Begins turnover of the card. Take this guy, mm. double homicide, I'll look into it. It's got nothing on that, but Reeves said that wasn't the point. The The point was not to tease that he's definitely in a sequel, although he probably will be. You've contracted actor and concept, conceived the character. But he said that it was more about that, like, the Riddler finds a friend and actually the number of crazies is kind of, he didn't use the word crazies. I'm using the word crazies. The number of crazies is now multiplying. So it's not necessarily a tease for a Joker film. I kind of hope the next film isn't a Joker film just because yes, that is, that is his Blofeld. That is his main antagonist. And you wouldn't want to go an entire incarnation of a Batman actor who does more than let's say three films without seeing the joker 
Mm. You might go three, to be fair, but certainly if you're going to go to like four, you've got to see the Joker. But I, I just think that like we, we did this. We did this with the Dark Knight. You know, um, I, I, I try something else. But if it is the Joker, kind of in Reeves we trust, I think he'll be okay. But um, yeah, what where does it go from there? We It is a bit Lord of the Rings with the several endings. You've got that ending of him looking up and covered in mud, very grimy, but comforting someone who's injured as they're about to be, mm. you know, strapped in, you know, like possible possible spinal injury or something. And he's learning that he's got to be a bit more. And it's not the, the Nolan style epiphany where he's suddenly going to be fully formed, but it's like a step on the way, I think. Yeah. Uh, he sees off Selena. Selena wants him to leave with her. She'll be back, of course. Uh, but no, he's wedded to they, Gotham. He, he kind of like do that sort of thing where um, you know Batman says goodbye to Paul Walker, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yours. Yeah. And that's it, really. It's him riding on the bike. He's wedded to Gotham, you know, and he's he has at least more idea of his future. His relationship with Alfred is warmer. Um, and there are just hints that there are others out there that could give Batman trouble. That's it, really. That's the end of the film. I'll just quickly go with my final thoughts. I don't really want to say very much. I think that the main thing is the universe they've created. And I think my biggest difficulty in years to come to come will be divorce, when, when, if someone asks me to rank these, I don't know how to divorce world from film. Because this is the Batman world I always wanted. So, like, you've finally given me my massive hit of methadone or, or even possibly heroin. You know, you've given me exactly what I wanted. Some of it I didn't know I wanted. You know, when I first saw the picture of his cowl, I thought that doesn't look quite right. In live action, it works and it's logical. That's that that car. I thought, you know, this looks like something out of death proof. But when it came out, it's like that's logical and I like it and then I'd see the odd panel and story beat and I thought that's the long Halloween that is my favourite Batman I've I've referenced it an obscene amount through our Batman series part of that is I haven't read as, as much Batman as I should have to be fair I've probably I've probably read you know two dozen stories in my life but that's like my favourite and um, that'll be the difficulty how do I reconcile that to the Dark Knight, which was already a bit clean compared to Batman Begins, which had the narrows and the rain and everything, where it's less probably less comic book a- accurate. It's corrupt, but it's clean. They, you know, but the Joker's performance, you know, th- that take on Bruce Wayne. I just go, well, how do I compare it to that? Is, is that a better film? I really don't know. This is a better world. This is the Batman world I wanted. This might, this might, you know, you know, when you meet a love who ruins you for anyone else, this might ruin me for any other version of Batman. Not ready to say this is the best film yet, but I, I genuinely, wholeheartedly loved it. And without wanting to cross promote my stuff, I will. If you go to setthetape.com, you'll read my written review of it, where. I'm not saying it's a great review or, or anything, but it is entirely representative of what I think. Like within like 1500 words, I, I've distilled exactly what I think. I don't know where it ranks, but it's really good. And I didn't really have that much problem with the time either. But that's it from me. Yeah, all of the above, really. I totally agree with you and Chris, definitely. Yeah, so um, I'll say I won't repeat myself um, as we talk about the film's length, but. 
you know, I think if I have any sort of quite, you know, I'm kind of the kind of wrestling with the idea of while this, I do like the aesthetic of this universe uh, going forward. I, do, I kind of almost feel, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's fair. Cause I'm still wrestling with it with it in my head. Whether the whole dark, gruff, serious um, sort of take on Batman is a bit played out at the moment. While I agree this is probably the, the better of the interpretation. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of universe and, and world building. But I I don't know. It's, it's, it's just one of the general feet. It might just be just a bit played out with comic book and superheroes and Batman in general. Um, it just feels like a bit too much, possibly. Um, that being said, I do wonder where we're going to go from here because... Um, Again, this is like, is this part of like, uh, DC, uh, DCU? Is this, you know, going to be alternate timeline? It all gets very confusing, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I do think, um, if we're going to do Joker, I think it might be a bit better if it was like, he's just like a secondary character just in the film. Um, just kind of like as a, yeah, kind of how Penguin is in here. You know, he's kind of like he's 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 there, but he yeah. isn't like the main focus. You know, you could yeah. you could easily do that. You could have that. Oh, with, go full on and put him in. You know, have an Arkham Asylum film. Yeah, or do or do something like that where you have um, you you can you can have the you know the whole you know um Rose Gallery there, and you can be like kind of quite interesting yeah. then. But anyway, yeah. So um, well, you know, whatever, whatever happens, I'll be here for it. But uh, well, I guess we'll see. But um... yeah, right. Anyway, this was a this was kind of a last minute um, decision to record this, and I know Becca, uh, we did agree we weren't going to do any fun facts tonight. So let's go on straight onto social media and what we're doing next. So you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter, and you can find me at uh, Simitronics, uh, and you can find all the episodes on Poppy. Uh, I've to myself to say that, uh, but you can you can find a link at cinematrotsco.uk um, as always. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and across social media. Do you expect us to talk? Um, yeah, we are on Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podbay, Stitcher, wherever you like to find us. But um, yeah, wherever you do listen to us, make sure you kindly give us a five star review and a rating. It helps us to rank higher and attract more listeners. Um, I will try to tack some back facts onto next week's show. Um, I do apologise, I was in a rush this evening and have no back facts for you, but I'll try to tack some on at the end of next week's show. But more importantly, Becca, what's next? Finally, the expects to talk will return with a deep dive into the Bourne identity. <laughs>